Good morning. morning. Well- from Ohio. Good, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Russ M., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, November 4th, 2022. Today we're reading from the big book. We're in more about alcoholism. We are on page 39, the second paragraph, 14th sentence is in. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. Just reading five sentences to the end of that paragraph. All right. Today's readers are 12 Steps is Loretta H., the 12 Traditions, Elizabeth B., our reader of the text is Christine G., page 164 is Anne Marie M., Newcomers readers Ramona A., and the second hour host is Nancy C. The reference numbers for, for yesterday, November 3rd, 2022, Thursday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 19,592-19592. The 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 19,593-19593. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members. <clears throat> we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to, try to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, <clears throat> OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you, big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I've now asked Loretta East to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Russ, and good morning, everybody on this line, along with my precious God, who saves my life, Loretta H., recovered from North Carolina. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thanks, Loretta. Next up with the 12 traditions is Elizabeth D. Good morning, everybody. Elizabeth D. in Cincinnati, Ohio. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. <clears throat> Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be, should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group must be each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. <clears throat> Excuse me. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, <clears throat> Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversies. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the lever, level of press, radio, films, and television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your share to the topic and literature we are discussing, that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does require that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one on mute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're back in more about alcoholism, page 39. 
the second paragraph, the 14th sentence of that paragraph. It starts with, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. And we're going to read through five sentences ending that uh, paragraph with self-knowledge would fix it. And I'd ask Christine G. to get us started off. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, everybody. Christine G., compulsive overeater. So grateful to be here this morning and to do the reading. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. We told him what we knew of alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of these symptoms, but he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about it himself. He was positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he had acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Oof. That is a pretty awesome several sentences. Um, And I can definitely relate to it. Um, When I came in, uh, I had about 30 pounds to lose. And I was seeing all kinds of people who had overcome, um, you know, so much through this program. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not not as bad as you fellows. Um, But uh, I had done everything else. I, you know, I had tried everything else. And um, and uh, I stopped being able to lose weight like I always had before. And so I'm like, you know, let's just do this. Like, let's just try it. <laughs> and um, and over the way, I, you know, sometimes I, I conceded and sometimes I didn't. And I went back and forth. And, um, and then, uh, you know, it became clearer that, you know, it's, it, I really did learn that it wasn't about the food. I learned so much about my character defects and all my fear, my fear that I lived with that I thought was normal in my life. Like I thought it was just normal to go through life this way. Um, and, uh, and I learned what those things were, and I learned that there's a totally different way to live this life. And sometimes it's unsettling and disorienting, and, um, but it's amazing. And, um, you know, it's like you just, you know, my alcoholic life was my only normal one. It was the only thing I knew. And now I have this wide open world and I can look at the things that happen and question my deeply held beliefs that I thought I had um, and look at why I have them and why they're important to me. To me. And if it's because of a fear, I can, I can look at that and I can ask God to remove that. So, um, you know, even self-knowledge, you know, I thought I knew myself and I really, and I didn't, I didn't know myself at all. So um, this program has taught me so much. It's taught me even about myself. Um, and it's taught me that um, in working these steps and, and building a connection with a higher power, um, you know, life, life doesn't have to suck. It can really be really good. So um, thanks so much for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you, Christine. So we're going to open up the line for sharing. You know the deal. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share every third day so we, uh, others can share their experience too. So if you shared on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, please step back and allow someone else to get in there and share on what we're reading. Christine. Who would like Christine to share? Harlan All right, Christine. Lisa yes. R. Melissa C. Harden, uh, Lisa, Tina S. I think it was 
Tina, yep, and then... Did you get Melissa say? Yep, that's who it was. I'm getting old. Anne-Marie I can't remember Kay? all his names. And Anne-Marie. Is that Anne-Marie Kay? Anne-Marie Kay, all right. Let me make yes. sure I got all this right. So... Terry J. Chris, Terry, you're going to be the last one. This is a great list here. All right, Christina J. Harlan. H, uh, Harden G, I'm sorry. I think I would know that. Lisa B, Tina S, Melissa C, Amy G, Anne-Marie K, Terry J. Nobody got hurt. This is great. All right. You're up, Christina. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, everyone. Christina J from the state of North Carolina. How can I be of service to those that are still suffering on the line and including myself this morning? in this paragraph and with my experience. First of all, I'm very grateful to all of you. I don't want to isolate in this disease and it's a disease of isolation for me. And I, um, I'm so grateful for everyone that holds space for me and has loved me through prayers and helped me through this last relapse that I've come through. Not completely on the other side by a long shot, but I'm working on it works if you work it right so uh through the years self-knowledge would have fixed it i didn't know about program self-knowledge um the, the knowledge in the book i didn't know about that i was in and out of some rooms very lightly i didn't hear a lot of recovery there was never any sponsors available and so i just i didn't know what it was about i knew i was a compulsive overeater but i didn't know how to fix it and i figured it was brain chemistry i figured it was if i could get my life right if I could get my relationship right, if I wasn't so happy, unhappy in that first marriage. And, of course, you know, when I left the first marriage, I lost a lot of weight. And I thought, well, that's it. That's what, that was my problem. Self-humiliation. This disease is humiliating. One of my most humiliating experiences was when I walked into a um, one of these drugstores that has aisles and aisles of candy, you know, and I was eating things along the way and hiding the wrappers. And I didn't know that somebody was watching me. When I got to the register, they brought all the wrappers. They laid them on the counter there. They said, if you do this again, we're going to call the police. I was horrified to my bones. I wanted to shrink into a pile of shame and embarrassment. I thought that was it. That was going to do it. That I would never eat again. I wrote an apology letter. I was so embarrassed and ashamed. But I ate again. This disease doesn't care about shame doesn't care about embarrassment, doesn't care that it's killing you and you're learning how to not handle your life more and more and more. I mean, for me, that's what I speak about. I I was losing control of my life. I heard something on the line yesterday. I was losing myself. You know, we talk about losing your house, losing your job, losing this, that. A woman shared that she was losing herself. I was losing a self I didn't even know because I had this disease since I was a kid. This program takes you back to who you are. You unbury yourself. Think about that. Every day that I'm in the disease, I'm burying who I really am. and I'm burying my connection with God. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, getting, I'm going to be 64 this month. This is the second half, maybe the third half of my life left. I want to walk it with God connection. The disease is so cunning, though. I can say all that. And then I could be thinking about cookies, you know, because I'm not neutral yet. I'm just fresh Sorry. out of this relapse. 
So anyway, I hope it helps somebody. Stay on the good foot. Love you all. Thanks, Christina. Next up is Harlan G. Followed by Lisa B. Thank you very much, Russ. Thanks for your service. Let's take a look at this paragraph. Let's take a look at this story here of Fred, which is really the story of Harry Brick. And Harry Brick wrote a story in the first uh, edition of the big book uh, called A Different Slant. And Harry is a myth buster. He's an image buster. Why is he an image buster? Let's take a look. He is not the typical image of the alcoholic that you have if you're most people. Most people, when we say the word alcoholic, we see a guy laying in the gutter with a trench coat, drinking whiskey out of a bag or out of a bottle that's in a bag, and that's not, that's not Harry. That's not Fred. Excuse me. That's not Fred. Fred is a very, very successful person. And how many of us may have thought at one time that if we had a good income and a fine home and we were happily married and the parent of promising children and had an attractive personality, that we wouldn't drink or we wouldn't use or we wouldn't eat? Well, the truth of the matter is here's a guy that's as alcoholic as alcoholic gets. So he's an image buster. And when we take a look at this story, we see that this murderer of a disease, this permanent, progressive, and fatal disease, fatal if not treated by a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience, is, is unconcerned with who we are. Be us black, white, green, yellow, Jewish, uh, Protestant, Catholic, Muslim, doesn't matter. This disease is an equal opportunity murderer. And at the, at the reading that we did this morning, which we take a look at, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, step one. Much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem, step two. We told him what we knew of alcoholism. What did we know? We know that it's a disease of the mind, mental twist, a disease of the body, physical allergy, he conceded he had some of the symptoms, but he was a long way from taking step one. So in other words, he thinks that because other areas of his life conceded to his concentration, his efforts, that this would too. Now here's the reality of the situation. The person who it's about, Harry Brick, was drunk a year after the big book was printed. He himself, the real person, was drunk. That's why his story isn't in the second edition, the third edition, or the fourth edition. So we see that this equal opportunity murderer, torturer, and abuser is unconcerned with who we are. We can have the best life. The and we think, well, if I just had this, Sorry. well, if I had her, and if I lived here, and I, uh-uh, uh-uh. This disease does not care. It will strike me down. It is an allergy of the body coupled with a twist of the mind. And the only thing I can do about this disease has nothing to do with earthly things. The only thing I can do is to work these steps Sorry. so I can handle abstinence. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for your service this morning. Thanks, R. Next up is Lisa B. 
followed by Tina S. Hi, good morning. My name is Lisa B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. And thank you so much, Russ, um, for your service and for everyone that's here. Um, Yeah, so I'm just thinking about this paragraph today. You know, for me, self-knowledge, you know, I want to play God. I want to be God. I want to control. I want to understand everything because I think if I can understand everything, um, I can get on top of it. You know, I can get ahead of it. And that's what happens to me as a as a recovered compulsive overeater, you know, today. And I think about how I've been in competition with God, you know, my whole life. I've wanted to be equal to God. I've wanted to run the show. I've always known that God was there. I love God. I need God. I've even been able to admit I need God. But it's so hard for me to see how I try to be God, you know, and so many times it just brings me to my knees. And I, if I have some sort of a challenge in life, uh, a quant, just a, a puzzle that I can't figure out, you know, it takes me away from meditating and praying and going to God and surrendering. God is the one power, the only power, you know, and I don't know I'm in that mode. And so whenever I read a paragraph in the big book today, you know, I try to relate it to where I am today. I can share with you all about, before I got recovered, studying food plans, studying chemistry in my brain and my body and metabolism and exercise and psychology and childhood trauma. I mean, all of that. Spiritual experiences. I've even had a hint that I really do believe there is something connected to a spiritual experience in being free of this. And I've sought that out, you know, and through knowledge, 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 my head, 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 you know, and this supernatural power of God, I need that power to break me out of that and get to my heart, get down to the tips of my toes and start to stand and walk and live in this power. I heard a great saying, um, you know, life is not about me. It's about God. And that, that's really very humbling because I want everything to be about me. I want everything to go my way and I want everything to be easy and comfortable and nice, you know? Um, but, Oh, it's wonderful being recovered. It is even when things are not wonderful, life is going to keep coming. But when I'm recovered, I have a chance and having this relationship with God is amazing, but learning to sit in the quiet and let God be God sometimes is really tough. So I'm so glad to be here. Thank you again for your service. I pass. Thanks, Lisa. Next up is Tina S. Followed by Melissa C. Thanks so much, Russ. Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Oh, what a great meeting! You know, uh, it just uh, it always baffles me. Every time I read some of this stuff, I think, oh, when I first read the book, I thought, oh, that doesn't apply. That doesn't apply. That doesn't apply. And today, I read every sentence, and it applies. It applies. It applies. Uh, and I was told when I first came in that what I think I know is going to kill me. It's going to kill me for sure, I was told. And, you know, if I would have continued on that path, it definitely would have, you know. I, you know, I totally relate to Fred. You know, when I got here, you know, I wasn't that bad. Thank you very much. I just got the right diet this time, you know. And so on my own, I can do this. I didn't need you people, and I didn't need those 12 steps up there on the wall. Thank you very much. I was raised Catholic. I believe in God. 
you know, I hadn't been a practicing Catholic for many, many years, or, you know, I, and, and, you know, I did believe in God, but I certainly did not believe that God would work in my life or that this food deal was not that big of a deal and that I should be able to take care of it myself, you know, and, uh, you know, humiliating experiences, many, many of them, you know, and to, to, I love it, to keep him sober for the rest of his life. You know, and what I know today is it's not about the self-knowledge. And it was just shared, you know, ha- having a spiritual wake and a transformation, me being not that same person that, that I, who I was when I got here is what keeps me sober one day at a time and hopefully for the rest of my life. You know, I continue to do this deal and I continue to get it. And I always say this because it's a truth. I'm a person of more and I want more. You know, I want more of this recovery stuff. I have a passion. I am. I love Al- Alcoholics Anonymous. I love Overeaters Anonymous. I love the big book, you know, and one day at a time, you know, I- I'm free. I'm free. I'm not that same person. And how that happens is through a power greater than myself, working with you and continuing to do the 12 steps and having a transformation. So with that, I'll pass. Looking forward to everyone else's share. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tina. Before Melissa C. jumps on, I want to let you know where we're at in case you got on late. We're on uh, In More About Alcoholism, page 39, second paragraph, the 14th sentence. And we're going to read that to the end of that paragraph, which is, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. Read in five sentences. Self-knowledge would fix it. All right, Melissa C.'s up. Hey, good morning, Rush. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Melissa C. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered. Thank you, God, in New York. Um, so, you know, I read, well, first of all, all of the stories that we read and know about alcoholism treat like that human power is insufficient. And, um, and that, you know, because what comes right after more about alcoholism is going to be the chapter that's going to tell us, you know, what to do if we're struggling to believe. It's we agnostic is going to come afterwards. And I think, you know, it, it says here, like, he was a long way off. Like, he didn't admit. He had not fully admitted. He didn't concede to his innermost self that he had this problem, which is, like, yeah, it's the first step because, um, I won't take any other step. I won't be interested in following any other step until I know that all my steps, all my solutions no longer work. Like, that's what convinced me. And, you know, what it means to admit that you're an alcoholic means that you must have a spiritual solution. That's, that's what it means. And I thought for a long time that admitting I was a compulsive overeater meant admitting that I had an allergy to the body. And that, I got. Like, I got that really early on, that having a food addiction, um, that I my body reacted different to certain foods. But I thought, knowing that, <laughs> that I could just live the rest of my life, you know, in agreement with my knowledge, just like people who know that they have an allergy to to shellfish or peanuts or anything. I didn't, and I, and I heard this idea that I have this mind that tells me that I don't have this allergy, but I really thought that knowing that I had a mind that would tell me that, that I had the power then to tell my mind differently, right? But I don't. I don't have either of them. 
have a good body and I have a mind that is not enough. And humiliating experiences, I could write volumes. You know, I, I used to often share I gained 100 pounds in high school, and then I did it again in my first couple of years of marriage. I know what it means to be humiliated. I've had painful consequences. And like him, I, I have eaten when everything was going my way, and it wasn't self-sabotage. It was because I was suffering from a fatal malady, which only a spiritual solution can solve. What this tells me is that um, it better invite God in. You know, the only thing that is, for someone like me that has um, encouraged me and, and, and kept me pressing on in a relationship with God, is a necessity for God. And that comes daily. You know, that comes every time I come right. head up against a problem. Thanks. Um, I, I'm just grateful that I have a God that I have met through Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you with that on behalf. Thanks, Melissa. Next up is Amy G. Father Amy Marie K. Hey, Russ. Good morning. Wow, everyone. Thank you for such an awesome meeting. Uh, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So, yeah, self knowledge would fix it. So in the um, step one in the AA 12 and 12, it says, you know, every natural instinct cries out against personal powerlessness. And I understand where Fred's coming from. I mean, when you look up the word innate, it's a typically, uh, sorry, look up the word instinct. It says an innate, typically fixed pattern of behavior. So if, if my cry against personal powerlessness is innate it's unconscious i mean i live in a world that says you should be able to fix yourself i mean i grew up in the family with the god of intellect so that's all it was it was pull yourself up by your bootstraps you can put any you can do anything you put your mind to and that was the world that i lived in so when i struggled with my compulsive eating i always thought that there was a way to fix it i had no idea what i was up against and then i come to overeaters anonymous and they tell me that i'm powerless and they explain the illness to me, and I'm still going to try to fix it because that's my innate instinct to do so. And it was really only the disease that finally beat me and pummeled me to a pulp almost five years into Overeaters Anonymous because I tried every other way to fix myself. And what I never really grasped is what others had said, is I was willing, willing to admit I was powerless, but I still thought that there might be another way to do it. I might have enough willpower, I might have enough human experience, enough humiliation and shame as a bulimic, trust me, there's plenty of that, and that somehow I would be able to do it. I mean, I thought my binging was bad before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, but while I was in Overeaters Anonymous, understanding what I knew and still binging anyways, I mean, Fred's going to have not a cloud in the sky and find himself drinking. I would find myself five bites into a binge standing in front of the refrigerator going, how the hell did I get here with everything I knew and all my human experience and being in Overeaters Anonymous, why is it that I am still here? And the truth of the matter is, is that my sick mind cannot heal my sick mind. I was full of the three Ds of the disease, denial, delusion, and defiance. And right now, in my humble opinion, Fred's full of denial, deluding himself to think that he can drink like a normal person and then flat out defying the fact that he's an alcoholic 
And those three Ds are deadly. And then they say the three Ds of recovery when you finally get to OA, dying, desperate, and doomed. But I sat there dying, desperate, and doomed for almost five years in Overeaters Anonymous, unwilling to understand or admit and denied the fact that myself could not fix myself. But what a rude awakening when I finally surrendered to the fact that I could not fix myself and finally allowed myself to recover by admitting that I sick mind could not heal my sick mind my self-will could not heal my self-will and oh boy i needed a power greater than myself and with that i will pass thank you thanks all right next up is Marie k followed by terry j and we'll take another list Marie k pennsylvania i'm so grateful to be here thanks Jeff, for your service and everybody who shared so far you know, uh, this is just a wonderful thing. I just can't, I, I love the whole idea about self-knowledge because, um, you know, I, I just can think about the years between the first time I walked in in my 30s, I'm going to be 70 this year, and uh, how I thought, just, just you know, let me read what I have to do. You know, I'd go to a therapist, come in, just tell me what I got to do so I can get better and get this over with. And, uh, I'm so grateful that I finally surrendered because, you know, uh, the knowledge I realized today is in these 164 pages. And that's important. Obviously, the knowledge I I get. But the big deal was, you know, all the times that I knew about the big book and supposedly read it, I never read the doctor's opinion. Nor, and this is really crazy, I never read the footnotes. And the footnotes saved me because I went back to that spiritual experience. And I, too, was one of those people, oh, yeah, man, I'm spiritual. Let me tell you, I don't need this church stuff because I am so spiritual. <laughs> oh, the lies of self. You know, uh, I never surrendered. I never surrendered my fear, and I certainly never surrendered my uh, control. And that's the wonderful thing about it. everything about this program. The God consciousness, I finally know what that means. And I used to say, I'm not getting up at 7.30 or 7 o'clock to get on business. And the only reason I'm getting up at 7 o'clock anymore now that I'm retired is if I'm getting on the plane. Well, I'll never say never, though. But that's okay, because I said never for 30-some years. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't go back today to being in control. My life is so amazing today. Even at its worst moments, I know I can't control the only thing I can do is admit I'm powerless and hand it over to that that person, that entity, whatever anyone wants to call it. I call it God. Because today, he's the one that's in charge. Anne Marie says, okay, the Lord is yours today. I can't handle this. I got this 24 hours ahead of me. Show me where to go. So I want to thank everybody for being here, and I want everybody to know that uh, if you were like me, and you are a doubting Thomas, so to speak. I no longer have to put my fingers into the, into the wounds. The wounds are there, but they're healing because I'm no longer in charge. Thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you, Anne Marie. Next up is Terry J. Good morning. This is Terry J. Currently in Michigan. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. Grateful for the message that's being carried because it's a clear message of recovery for me. 
Um, my credits don't transfer, unfortunately. The disease of compulsive, obsessive overeating is the core. You know, the other things that I've done to uh, get here have just been part of the symptoms. I'm excited to know more about my disease. And in this chapter, that word self, you know, I've kind of jumped ahead, read a little, but I'm going to stick with the paragraph we on today and uh, how that applies to me. Uh, self-knowledge, self-will, anything with self in the front of it is a problem because I'm in God's way in my life. And I want to give it to him, and I take it back, and I want to give it to him, and I take it back. Nevertheless, the bottom line, I've got to get out of the way. I just got back um, in Michigan from Texas, had a wonderful week, and that's something different for me to be traveling after. You know, and you're in somebody's home because uh, I have friends like that, that, you know, I don't have to stay in a hotel. I can stay in the comfort of their home and, and, and treat it like it's my home. And I have to remind myself, though, so, okay, all right, Fred, you know what happens each time you go down that road. So I'm just grateful today to know that there is also a solution. You know, there's a solution to the problem. I am what I would call triple addicted, cross addicted, and triple afflicted with this disease. However, there is a solution, the steps, you know, living in the steps day by day, especially those maintenance steps. Those are so important in my program. Not that I have this down pat, not that I'm 100% and I'm perfect. I'm still in Terry. I'm still in Terry, which means I'm still living in this flesh, in this body, and I have to surrender all day. God, help me with the next right decision. And, and there is a benefit in that for me. So I'm just grateful today. I thought I'd share. I've been listening, of course, all the time. I'm always on the line most of the time, but I just felt the need to share. And I'm excited to continue reading about Fred because it's me. Have a great day, folks. Love you. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. So uh, we're in more about alcoholism, page 39, second paragraph, the 14th sentence. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic, reading to the end of that paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you know you share it every third day so uh, others can get their shot at sharing their experience. So, so who would like to share on what we write? Darian K. Anita D. Carmela G. Anita Jennifer C. Carmela. Hold on. Alexis F. Hold on. I got you, Shannon. Jim S. in Toledo. Jim S. I think that's going to be it. That's going to be tough. So, Darren K., Anita J., Shannon C., Carmela G., Jennifer, I believe it was C., Alexis F., and Jim S. We'll see what we got. Time-wise. Go ahead, Darian. Hi there, Russ. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, great. Sometimes you get re-muted. Um, I'm Darian Kay. I live in the Berkshires in, the, in Massachusetts. I'm gratefully recovered today. 
Um, and grateful to be in this program, I'll tell you. Um, you know, just dealing with life on life's terms, <laughs> as we all are, I'm sure. And, um, you know, when I think about self-knowledge, um, it's just so, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I would go to, you know, the diet clubs or whatever, you know, and, and take in all the information from that that leader in the suit up front, you know, and, and just, um, you know, emu- want to emulate everything that she is and does. And, and then I would take it home, okay, and that would be, oh, the self-knowledge. Like, she gave me all the knowledge I need to do this by myself. <laughs> and um, failed, mil- failed miserably, um, you know, and, and just couldn't, couldn't put together any amount of time. And then wondered, oh, why isn't this working? You know, and, and then going back and, and feeling humiliated and, and, and so bummed out that I, you know, can't succeed in this, you know, diet program and paying money. And um, you just, just so sad when you think about it. You know, miss out so much on life, um, you know, as a young person, you know, wanting to fit in, wanting to wear the clothes and, do the things that, you know, everybody else is doing that's cool, you know, <laughs> the in crowd. Um, but boy, did I feel, I felt out there. I felt very out there. And um, so none of that worked, you know, and I had to concede when I came to this program that it's not about self-knowledge. It is about higher power helping me on a daily basis when I ask for help. And that is in the morning, in the evening, and then throughout the day. You know, um, just when things can be um, rough, you know, I have to just say, God help me. And that is the simplest prayer, but it's it gets me through um, the day. And so, you know, just for today, I am so glad that I know the answer, right, that we all have the answer, the solution. And we don't have to go and try to um, find something else or try something else. Um, we, you know, I believe that this is the, the right place for me. And, um, you know, I wish, I wish a lot of other people in my life would, um, see that too, but you know what? They are on their own path doing their own thing. And all I need to do is focus on myself. I'm a full-time job. I can, don't need any other work. <laughs> I am enough. And, um, but I am so glad that I'm working it with all of you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Darian. Next up is Anita J. followed by Shanna C. Thank you, Russ. Uh, this is Anita J. You can hear me, correct? Oh, yeah. We got you now, too. Okay. That's what I was hoping. Um, I live in uh, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I've had parallel thinking the entire time I was in this program until maybe eight, nine years ago, and I've been in since the 70s. I came in as a pretty youngish person, not that young, actually 40. But the thing is, it took me all that time to realize that I was getting in the way of everything I was reading because I wasn't letting it register all the way down. That you can't eat one, kid. You can't, and no matter how much you pull yourself up, you can't pull that much 
but the surrendering, you know, I was a God person. I was always looking for God, but on my terms, uh, you know, when I was real little, that's when Roosevelt was around. Anyone know who that is? Not Teddy, the other one. Um, he'd have these fireside chats. And as I grew in the program, I realized that's what you've been doing. You put God there, but you put him across from you, and you're chatting with him. He, he, he put up with it until I finally surrendered. That was so scary because the people that I should have surrendered to when I was little, you couldn't count on because they couldn't count on their parents. They didn't know any better. Grateful to this program that I could let this begin to stop with my children, that I hadn't done too much damage, uh, you know. But the thing is, there's a solution. I always knew, don't go looking for anything else. Don't go read another book. I like to read. But in terms of this subject, I don't need to read any other books. The answers are in it. I think it was God-given doesn't matter what you call it. But the point is, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that I fell in me to. It's not so scary. Isn't that funny? My fears were far worse than the reality. Actually, it's a comfort. I couldn't lead my own life. So now I have a different leader. And uh, I'm grateful. Thank you all. I pass. Thanks, Anita. Next up is Shanice, followed by Carmela. And I'm sure I didn't estimate the time right. I'm sorry about that. Go ahead, Shan. Good morning. This is uh, Shanice, a recover compulsive overeater from East Tennessee. Thank you, Russ, for your service this morning and everyone else who has shared. One thing that keeps popping into my mind is that feeling that I had where my mind was clear because I had been beaten into that state of reasonableness. My mind was clear enough and I had the willingness to do whatever I needed to do to get well, you know. Um, And I didn't create that. But see, over time, after being abstinent, uh, you you know, and a lot of times I hear in a lot of shares people going back and myself included, I've done this myself, and beating myself up for that time when I hadn't fully surrendered yet, like I had the power or the awareness or should have surrendered back then like I could have, I couldn't. I didn't have the power to surrender. Uh, Me being abstinent and having the ability and the willingness to do this work one day at a time, Surrender my food a day at a time, one precious meal at a time, is all a miracle in my life. I can, it, it's absolutely, I did not bring this about myself. I didn't bring the surrender about myself. So I can't go back. So my ego wants to go back and, and tell myself that I, well, back then, you know, five years ago or six years ago, you know, I was just, you know, unwilling or whatever. Well, I may have been, but I didn't have the power to be different. So that beating myself up now 
for not being able to see it back then is just my ego trying to give me the illusion of power that I should have done better. And it's it's very insidious, this stuff is. I have been, I was powerless then. It's a miracle, thank God, for this disease because it did beat me into that state of reasonableness where I was willing to go to any length. And thank God for his grace that put me in a position to where I could receive the help that I needed from you guys. And that's what this meeting is about, I found, is is being put in that position where I can be that safe place and that person to guide people to continue on that spiritual. Because what happened with me was I had completely surrendered because I was hurting so badly, and I begged God for help, and I knew I couldn't change without his, him changing me. And it was then that I was you know, made aware, and then I was given an, a, a new way to live through these steps and a fellowship that could help me through it. And it's kept that obsession away and the ability to help others. It's just a miraculous thing that really does happen for me a day at a time. And I ask every morning, God, please grant me the willingness and the ability. Please keep me keep me sober, abstinent, and saying thank you. And for the willingness and the ability to stick with that food plan and live in, live by spiritual principles. And I do it every day. And uh, so far, it's working. Thank you, God, and thank you all. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. That's it. Thanks, Shanna. Next up is Carmela G., and I, I think uh, Jennifer C. is probably going to be our last share. You're up, Carmelo. Thank you so much, Russ, and thank you for everyone on the line listening and sharing. <clears throat> My name is Carmela G., and um, I'm a grateful compulsive overeater, recovered for this day from New York. My self-knowledge, my my identification living in a world where everybody compared uh in the old days they used to say keeping up with the joneses and um if someone had something i had to strive for that well the mistake was that knowledge that ego driven idea kept me out of meetings, kept me out of this program, because when I went to my very first meeting in my 60s, my sixth decade of life, I heard people's stories, and I could not relate. I could not. I was not like those people. I didn't have those. But the reality was I was comparing Carmela to all the others in the room. It took working this program and identifying, admitting I have that allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, and realizing through program that God will always give me what I need. I can remember getting more credentials, more credentials. No one's ever going to tell me that I don't have enough of education. I'm going to get another degree and another. So besides the food, I could get nothing enough. Everything had to be in excess. 
This program has now allowed me to realize that God will always direct me to whatever it is I need to do. And no matter what, he accepts me, always. I am an imperfect human striving to be loving and kind and following his will on a daily basis. And for that, I am grateful, and I ask for that on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carmela. So, uh, Jennifer C., you got about two and a half minutes. And Alexis and Jim, why don't you try to jump on to the next meeting? I'm sorry about that. All right, Jennifer, you're up. Hey, good morning. Uh, thank you so much, Russ, for your service. And um, just so grateful for every single person on this line this morning. Um, <clears throat> you know, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. And um, the mangling, right, like the mangling is a process. And most of us have to get pretty badly mangled. And we we did. We do by the food, right? Like, what a gift. By the time we've been mangled enough to throw our hands up and say, okay, like, it's my master. I tap out. Um, but, you know, all throughout this chapter, there's this common theme that is just reinforcing the fact that, like, my defense, must come from a higher power, right? So there's going to be certain times that my mind isn't going to have what it takes to get me to get me out of trouble. Sometimes it will. Sometimes I'll remember. Sometimes I'll pick up the phone. Sometimes I will um, have the willingness to take the action. And then I'll think, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm doing this thing. But at certain times, I'm going to have no effective mental defense against that first drink. And so this whole process, this whole process takes me back to God over and over and over and over again. And so in recovery today, the truth of the matter is that self-centeredness, extreme self-centeredness is my addiction. And I have no effective mental defense besides my connection with God. And so today, what I'm realizing on a daily basis is that step 11 is I'm praying for knowledge of God's will, but then I'm asking for the power. So even as I work 10, 11, and 12, I'm still asking for power because I have no power apart from God empowering me, even to work God. my program, even to work my program. I need God's power. And that is so evident to me today. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. And I hope we all have an awesome abstinent day. Thanks, Jennifer. You're our next share. And thank you, everyone you shared. And thanks for letting me be a part. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this meeting. All right, today's share ID, 
November 4th, Friday, November 4th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,597-19597. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by a serenity prayer. Well, Anne-Marie M., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. This is Anne-Marie M., recovered through God's grace and doing the 12 steps of OA. We realize, we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and we will surely, you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.